Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Pod. It's a great show this week. We've got Super Bowl recap. We've got Big Kevin Samir with us today. Um, we got one of my favorite players of all time retiring. we got some MLB rules that make me want to scream. And it is our it is the season three season four finale, so it's gonna be a good time. But uh, uh, we'll get ready to go. You are now in the Cornwood Podcast, a sports podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here is your host, Jared Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Quarter Booth Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Clem, alongside the intern, Samir, and a man who needs no introduction, host of the Tailgate on the Quad Pod, my right-hand man, Mr. Mustache, Big Kev. Um, by the way, if you haven't checked us out already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. Always good content. Our, our boy, Samir, over here kicks ass on the social media sites, so we are very proud of him for that. Get started, gentlemen. How are you feeling today? A day and a half removed from the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm fine. I I have a request, actually. Yeah, buddy. Can I be your left hand man? I know what you do with your right hand, and I want no part. <laughs> <laughs> no part. Oh boy, the professionalism for this episode just went out the fucking shoot. <laughs> I think it went it out the definitely- shoot when you started having me on two years ago. Uh, no, your professional went down the shoot about maybe three or four months ago. Um, My professional was went down the shoot when I proposed to someone on the show. That was six days. That was four days ago. <laughs> and so he a little bit before that, but I really just slammed the door at that point. It's all right. It's for content. That's what Kev keeps telling himself every morning. It's for content. It's for content. I, my life motto is anything is content if you make it content. Oh, sweet Jesus. Yeah. All right. Um, we had a sex tape and he turned it into content. Oh, Jesus. Although, All right. In fact, I, I did message that girl. I'm like, hey, by the, not the Dave Portnoy sex tape girl. The girl I posted. I was like, hey, by the way, the episode's up. She said, yeah, no, I don't need to relive that. Thanks for letting me know, though. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, man. <laughs> See, when you when you messaged me that morning that this was happening, the, that like the afternoon that was happening, I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus, what is going to happen tonight? And then I spent an hour cursing Kevin's name while I was editing that masterpiece. So, by the way, folks, on one of our slower weeks, that cl- the unreleased tapes will be released. And the Kevin, unedited version. The unedited version. The I will have... Kev actually is going to do the – Kev will do the intro for it, which is going to make it even more hysterical. All right, cool. Let me know when. And also – I would like to point out, whenever you do release the unedited one, that how long would that episode be? Like about an hour and a half? An hour and a half. I might not even re-release the back end. I might just release the front of it. We also have like an hour of unrecorded stuff. Which was hysterical. Because yeah. half of it was our special guest not knowing how to use the camera on our computer. And I said, like, once, once you figure out the camera, I was like, we should start recording now. And then no one recorded. Yeah, and, and then we were talking for a while. It was yeah, a good right? talk, it was though. Crazy. I started was like, talking, like, we started, started talking at 4.30, we got off at 7. I felt bad, because I was like, hey, it's going to be like a 15-minute spot, we're just going to joke around, and you're going to talk about soccer. And then it ended up being two and a half hours. 
Well, Kevin, with us, when does anything ever go according to plan? No, I meant like for our. I didn't know how long our show would go. Like, oh no, that's why I'm saying it's like with who we are as people and how our show has been for the past two years since you, um, uprose against Mark and took your rightful's place. Um, like when have we ever been on time when it came to recording times or anything like that? When Mark was here, it was like, oh, we're off by like nine o'clock on the nose. Where our <laughs> timing was great. With well, you when did here, you start recording. I think it's an important factor here. You did not start at four thirty with Mark. We started. Well, we started recording at like maybe. Maybe almost five o'clock. You'd start recording. Oh, start recording when it was me and Mark. We'd have everything. Mark would do a write-up within like an hour of the show. And then I'd just sit down and I'd do like as much research as I could. But he would be like so on my ass about. Not like you where you'll make a comment about it and I'll feel bad. You know, say I'll do better and I'm actually trying to. I was actually on time today. But. Like, you know, he would, like, be, like, almost, like, belligerently rude about it. And then we'd finally get the show started. And then he'd be, like, <laughs> rushing me through topics and shit. And it would, the content would suck. And then we... so fun. You, you just got to shoot from the hip with everything. Well, I mean, shoot from the hip with guidelines. That's kind of the way our show's always been. And when there's something that's great content that's off the rails, we roll with it. Because it's just the way you got to do it. That's true. I... We explain this on Craft Brew Sports. I don't research anything beforehand. Yeah. He researches. I see where the podcast takes me, and then I come up with a take and then find something to back it up. Oh, no. It's so funny. We even got, like, a great com- – Samir got a comment from the, the head brass here belly up. Uh, he goes, he goes, I love – one of our bosses said to me in a meeting yesterday, he goes, yo, you have a great guy with Samir because basically he's got good comedy. He doesn't need to demand the microphone for 35 minutes, but when he talks, he's, he's comical. And two, you can go to him with stats, and he's got it for you in five minutes. It's actually good content. So he's like, he's found a good spot with you guys. So I'm like, yeah, cool. Yay, Samir. Yeah, Samir got a good contest. I'm I'm rescinding your fire. Thank you. Yeah, when when the head boss gives an intern a compliment, that's some some good stuff right there. Makes me feel good. Makes me feel good on this Tuesday. I know the day. On this Tuesday afternoon. You can tell your professors the head of the company gave you a good compliment. (laughs) I'm running with the head of honchos, Professor. I'm sorry. I can't be I can't be on class on time. Let me just come twenty minutes late. Technically you kinda are <laughs> with two of the two of the higher up guys. I mean three if four. Four. If the one you met had a mean with likes him, that's three. Yeah. And then uh I know the other one, Jared, that you and I talk to the most. Yes. Also likes him. Mm-hmm. Well, so she also that, that at least, and we just don't know about asked, the last twenty. He or she told us not to bully him, so <laughs> we're kind of doing that. We're other than telling him he's fired for not knowing the, his days of the week. Well, I mean, we can actually <laughs> fire him for that because I think I've said worse on our actual Twitter account. So that's the that's the big kicker there. It's like. Hey, yeah, you know, we're going to fire an intern, but I did the same thing two weeks ago, but it doesn't actually fucking matter. So, who cares, but... Alright, so we'll get rock and rolling here. Super Bowl 55 was Sunday night. Um, I actually had my Super Bowl party get cancelled because of the snow. My buddies couldn't get out of their driveways, so they're all texting me at like 5.15 as I'm clearing mine off. They're like, yeah, dude, our roads are shot, we can't get out. And I'm like, ah, whatever, shit. So I ended up just sitting there with my with my family watching the game for like the first time since I was like maybe a little kid. And what was crazy to me 
I don't know. Opening opening thoughts of the game was one. I like being right occasionally. Like I I like being right, obviously, because who doesn't like actually being proven right? I said the physicality and the speed of the Tampa Bay defense was going to just attack Mahomes. I thought they were going to put up more of a fight, but I felt bad for Mahomes towards the end of the game. He was just getting hosed. It he was get balls easy touchdowns were getting dropped. His offensive line looked exhausted. And a team that had been basically picking on every team they played this this postseason and most of the back end of the season was getting picked on last night. It was honestly pretty crazy. Kev, what was your initial thoughts on the game? Um, I mean, Tampa Bay's defense was phenomenal. They it, It's Tom Brady's seventh ring, but the Tampa Bay defense won that game. That's not a knock on Brady. He threw three touchdowns. Like, what more? Oh, yeah, no, no knocking on the go over. Here. He was efficient the whole time, but... If that defense wasn't playing as well as they did, uh, it's a different game. You might have had to get into a shootout, and then Brady might look less efficient because he has to take riskier mm-hmm. passes. But <clears throat> the secondary also played phenomenal. The front seven is going to get a lot of the recognition, but even on some completions, like the the secondary was covering guys very well. Yeah, there was no like wide open bomb throws open. Like everything was contested. And Todd Bowles put together a perfect game plan. He gave safety help over the top wherever Tyreek Hill was. I don't mm-hmm. get why more teams haven't thought of doing that. Because they think their corners are good enough to cover man-to-man and they're idiots. And I, they even covered Kelsey well. And I understand teams don't want to give safety help over the top to Tyreek Hill all the time because then Kelsey will rip you apart underneath. But they did a good job covering Kelsey still. You know what's crazy to me also is that Samara Gutina second basically one Kelsey was really efficient honestly every every time he get the ball thrown to him except for that one I think he only had one drop the entire he had that one drop yeah. in the end zone but no, over two, two then okay so over a hundred and some I think it was over a hundred fifteen yards receiving on like seven or eight catches he was pretty efficient honestly and the thing was is because well one he was open because they were basically leaving that first seven open off. The biggest key to me with Kansas City is they can't run the football, and they don't really want to try to run the football. Last year, the guy they had locked up, uh, they had um, um, hold out, um, sit out this year, Damian Williams, he was a big factor in that game last year. And it made them have to pull guys up, uh, the Niners to pull guys up. Uh, big the Niners had a way less athletic and way older secondary, but... Damian Williams last year was such a key factor because everyone forgets there was knocking about him possibly. Did he? No, Mahomes won last year's Super Bowl MVP, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. There was talk about maybe Damian Williams even getting a nod at least as like a runner-up because his two touchdowns and over 100 yards rushing were honestly what was the ice. I mean, yes, one of those touchdowns was like a 50-yarder in garbage time, but it, it kept you in the box. Le'Veon Bell didn't see the field. You saw Williams from the other Williams for maybe six, seven snaps. Edwards Hilaire had one big run right at halftime. We're like, oh, here we go. Here come the Chiefs. And then the Chiefs never came. Samir, I know you're giggling because I said what I said. <laughs> no, I'm not. Our amateur 19 year old intern is not keep going. Keep going. And you end just shut up. Just do what you got to say. Uh, or I'm going to start bullying you again. All right. All I have to say is... <laughs> He's I'm so sad. disappointed now. 
All I have to say is, <laughs> this might be one of the most disappointing Super Bowls of my entire life. Oh, All of my bets just miserably failed. They all sucked. <laughs> None of them hit. The entire game I was waiting, I was like, maybe maybe he'll hit on a bomb to Tyreek. Maybe something. And then it never happened. I was so dejected by the end of it. I just didn't know what to feel. Oh, but goddamn, Tom Brady. That there, I honestly, to be quite honest, I saw that tweet about how the how he wanted to go to the Niners and the Niners didn't want him. Uh, and I I think I might have laughed for 15 minutes. What a stupid mistake. Yeah. Tom Brady, you guys, is coming to your team. Fits that offense. And they're like, let's just play his backup. Yeah, Jimmy. That's going to be the plan. I, you know what's so funny? And I, I, I will say, Kevin, can we put a nail in quickly? We'll take a little side shoot here. If Jimmy G doesn't have a good season, can we put another nail in that? Like, all of Brady's backups have kind of been booty coughing. Uh, I mean, I mean, he was okay that one season. No, no. Like, None of them had a, have had long-term success. Brian Hoyer, his one year with Cleveland, he played well, but only played in like five games before he tore his ACL. And other than that, like everyone's going to remember how Brian Hoyer was the playoff game for the Texans where he threw like five interceptions. Yeah. So so Ryan Mallett and Jacoby Brissett. Um, yeah, Jacoby Brissett played okay for the Colts. Uh, they just saw an upgrade in Phillip Rivers, and they were probably right about it. But... Yeah. Uh, Matt Castle, Pro Bowler. True, he had that one Pro Bowl season. That was also the same season Jamal Charles and Dwayne Bowe, but they both decided to get on the same page and both ball out, too. Yeah, no. But, yeah, no, his, his backups aren't very good, but I don't think that's, like, a knock on Brady or Belichick. Oh, I'm not saying it's a knock on Brady or Belichick. I'm just saying it's like a, almost like a curse. You're one of Brady's backups. You're kind of bones. <clears throat> yeah, I mean... Also, this game, not necessarily about this game because there was nothing Mahomes could do Yeah. with the front seven. However, uh, I think he has five years to be a great NFL quarterback. And then after that, his athleticism is going to start to go. He can't read a defense very well. Oh, no. You know what? So I'm happy you said that, actually, because there was a couple throws. I don't know if you noticed this, too, later in the third quarter where there were guys open on a three-step drop that were available, but then he would just hold the – he would pull a Carson Wentz, hold the ball too damn long, ride or run around trying to do something, and would just yeet it. And he would almost complete it, which is, just shows his athleticism, his freak ability. But it's the same issue with, like, these guys have to go to Brady and Rodgers' school of quarterbacking where, like, hey, guys, three seconds, unless you have a clean pocket, that's right alert. Ball's got to be out. Like – it's not Madden. You can't just scramble around for an hour like a jackass and yeet it. And also, every time there was pressure, he would run back 30 yards or 20 yards. It, I think one was it like set third and 33 at one point. I don't think it was that bad. I think he got it out and threw it away. It might have been, but there was a bad one. Also, there was one. It was like at the 15 yard line. It was Tampa's 15, and Patrick Mahomes ran back to the 35. Yeah, and was then that- just chucked it. Also, I saw a Twitter, something on Twitter, a tweet, that's the word, and it was like, going through a bunch of stories, like, this throw was on the money, it was dropped, this throw was on the money, it was dropped. Yeah, they were all on the money, into double coverage. Yeah, there's a difference, guys. This isn't Madden where if you get double, or what we and my friends would call a Jared ball, (laughs) where double coverage or triple coverage, no problem. Um, 
But with my in, first of all, in a pro game, double a throwing a ball in a double covers, unless it's like literally, it's like you know Calvin fucking Johnson. There's no excuse. Yeah, it's and like, like if you do that once or twice a game, okay, yeah, it looks great. But ask, ask Stafford how his interception numbers jumped after he started doing that with Megatron. The, the the issue is is unfortunately highlight real football like Mahomes. Where like last year, how why they won is because they had so much speed. They could they had a balanced offense and their defense made the right plays. This year with the Chiefs, their defense was better, but they they were sloppier. And on top of that, their offense was not balanced at all. They basically relied on Tyreek or Kelsey smoking you. They had no running game. The play calling seemed a little sloppy, but also I think Mahomes got I think that was almost like a humbling game for Mahomes. My dad asked me that after the game. I come upstairs and I'm like, hey. He goes, hey, about Mahomes, you think this is going to be a humbling thing for him? I'm like, I mean, I think so. I mean, dude has been on top of the world for the past 12 months, and he's just like the Patrick Price. Yeah, the Patrick Price is not throwing the damn ball away, you jackass. Like, damn. I mean, I just, I feel like with Mahomes, he's got to learn. He's got to have the age-old talk, which I think guys like Wentz is going to probably have to have it this year as well. Lamar Jackson's going to have to learn this. All these guys who are improvisers or scramblers, who come into this league thinking they can just make a play with their feet and then yeet it out 30 yards to an open receiver, that rarely ever is open. So, I mean, guys, Lamar Jackson has to just learn how to throw the ball. Pure, yeah, Let's I work know. on that first. Obviously. But you, you see my point, though, where it's like these guys, they don't get the fact that, guys, NFL defense is, I think the slowest guy in the NFL defense that aren't like their nose tackles run about a 4-5, four, 4-6 four, max. That's a lot of fucking speed. Especially yeah. the Tampa Bay defense, which is their slowest guy on that defense. Was the Dominican Sue? I mean, or not Vita Vita Vea was probably a little slower, but still, Sue is your second slowest player. Even and in his even, el- even in his elderly age, he's still flying. Even though Vita Vea is slow, he's still an athletic freak. He doesn't have oh. good line speed, but he's yeah, side to quick. side. Yeah, he like, can kill you. Shaq Barrett ran a crap forty time, but that dude got in Mahomes' grill a lot. JPP old as a dinosaur. And has the same amount of fingers as one too, and still brought him down a couple times. Yeah. I it just, I just, it's it's crazy to me, man. Like that defense was a patchwork of rejects, unknowns, and young guys, and they were just beating the snot out of Mahomes. That was the ultimate like Rocky kind of like Mahomes is a big bad defense, and this Buccaneers just has a good edge rush, right? It's like God, oh, no Jordan Whitehead, Winfield, and the, those boys at corner were like, nah, we're gonna win this game for y'all. We knew they were good at linebacker. They the two they have the best linebacking duel in the in the damn in the damn league. On top of that, you've got one of the better edge rush combos because honestly, Pierre Paul has found like a second home under Todd Bowles. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes can't learn how to read a defense, but he's in his fourth year. He's a super he's an MVP, a Super Bowl winner, a Super Bowl MVP. If he has not learned how to read a defense yet, I'm <laughs> it's going to come too late. He is going to have a Peyton Manning rookie year level interception number in his yeah. like eighth year. He's going to basically do hope. I don't hopefully not to this level, but have a 2020 Carson Wentz campaign basically. Yeah. But the problem is he might have still have better weapons. I don't think he'll have Tyree kill. And I don't know if you'll still have Kelsey cause they might take too much money, but it's going to happen with better receivers. If they draft well, but he still can't read a defense to save his life. I know, like even even to the most basic level, some of these. So also one of the things that was to bug me about the Chiefs, and besides throwing to Kelsey, 
I saw Byron Pringle cutting underneath on Rouse. I saw like Sammy Watkins was open every 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 third play. He was getting open because there was everyone's leaving alone. If you're they're double covering your two best weapons, you've got four other guys who honestly would be decent starters on other teams. Throw it to them. You got to be, and that comes back to your point. He, he can't read. He can't go through the one, two, three, four, five, and then get rid of it. It's the one, two, improvise. Let's see if number one or two gets open. Oh crap! Here's a sack. And even on some plays, I saw it. He sticks to his. It's not even scramble. It's like he sticks to his first read too long, and then he goes to his second, and then yeah. throws. I mean, like slick. It ain't backyard football, man. I'm sorry. It's just not. Like the hook and ladder plays from last year aren't there anymore. And I, sometimes you need to have a little backyard football in you. Like oh, when yeah. you're getting hit and you have to sidearm it while parallel to the ground. Sometimes you need to be able to do that. And it's good to be able to, but yeah. you also need to be able to stand in the pocket or at the very least get out quickly and find the first open man you see. I think you can learn a lesson this year from every single NFL quarterback who started more than 10 games this year. I think you could. You go through every single quarterback in, in, from – Kyler Murray to Carson Wentz to Tom Brady to Mahomes to Drew Locke. You could learn a lesson about how to play, be a better quarterback from each of them this year. And Mahomes is, is you have to just get the ball out and make sure you can read coverage. That's the first one. Tom Brady, there's nothing wrong with a check down and there's nothing wrong with like, just getting the ball out. Don't take the hit. <laughs> like there were a couple times Brady came down. I'm like, Oh God, here we go. But then he settled in, the offensive line settled in, and it was like, I mean, yes, that that second, that third drive, that last drive right before half, was one of those pass interference calls kind of a joke? Yes. Was it should have been called? Yes, because if it wasn't, it would have been an even bigger stink. Yeah, I mean, I like people who are like, oh, the NFL wants Tom Brady to win. That's why he's what what. No, what the last decade makes you think he they want Tom Brady. They want to win. Brady gone. They don't want him here. They they were pulling so hard from Mahomes. You have no idea. They just couldn't get him to win. I also liked uh, Pat Mahomes' fiance <sighs> bitching about ESPN or SportsCenter tweeting out the picture where he just looked confused and had the score underneath. Like, wow, way to talk about one of the stars of the game. Shut up. It's football. Oh my god! My my mom was asking me why do you why aren't you rooting? My mom's like I love. I said I love Mahomes as a person, but I can't stand his brother or his fiance. I hate them both. <clears throat> I I hate his fiance more. <clears throat> his brother. He, I don't know how old his brother is, but his brother's still kind of a kid, and he's just doing shit on social media that a lot of kids are doing. He just happens yeah. to be the brother of maybe the one of the most physically talented NFL quarterbacks I mean, ever. I mean, I've I've you know everyone every every. every Every friend group has that one friend who has a girl has who has a friend who has that girlfriend or wife that's just a fucking irritant. She's a real sweetheart, but she's just irritating. So I mean, maybe it's because I have two. I have a I have a couple friends with wives or girlfriends like that. And you know what? They're sweet girls. Just like sometimes they'll just do the things that just drive you fucking insane. <laughs> I actually had a friend who was like, I had a I had a friend who I was friends with more friends with a girl than the guy, and the guy was irritating, but we tolerated him because they're good people. But you know, it's just like. The wife irritates me because she's kind of just she's like, yeah, I'm Patrick Mahomes' fiance. I'm I'm gonna like you know way to go on my hubby. I'm like your hubby played like your hubby's team played like dog shit, lady. Sorry to tell you. Yeah, I mean, speaking of annoying but, people, did you guys see Tyrone Matthews tweet? 
Oh, sweet Lord Jesus. Oh, man. I'm like, buddy, why? You Like, yes, Brady punked you, but he did not. Say, he probably called you a little bitch or something. Like, come on, man. Yeah, for those who didn't see it, Tyron Matthew, in a now-deleted tweet, and we'll get into why he deleted it. It was also he said, up, too. in this, Tom Brady said something to me that I'm not going to repeat, implying that it was something racial. That no one else has ever accused Tom Brady of in his career, by the way. Uh, I think it was Ed Reed said Tom Brady's allowed to use that word, but I don't think Tom Brady's ever used it or going to use <laughs> Uncle it. Uncle Ed, who, was, who can hand out a hood pass. Yeah, it, <laughs> entire Matthew's like, he said something to me I'm not going to repeat. And then okay. he finds out after the fact that Tom Brady was mic'd up all game and deleted the tweet. Yeah. I love it. I, I, oh I love my how, god! I love how that's like that. Like it's I the honey bat. I, you also, Kevin. You said something during the game to me that was really smart. You're like, oh, Matthew's gonna play like dog shit the entire game because Brady. You were on point though because Matthew looked out of place. That the route by Antonio Brown. Oh my god, that was the most beautiful whip route I'd ever seen in my life. That's like textbook. I, I I'm like sitting there. I'm like, I'm like, I've had a few beers. And I'm like, that's fucking gorgeous. My mother looks at me. She goes, what's wrong with you? I'm like, Bob, that's like the most beautiful whip rod I've ever seen. That was gorgeous. That was absolutely beautiful. Tyron Matthew also should have learned something from Travis Kelsey. Before the 2018 AFC Championship game, Travis Kelsey went up and started running his mouth towards Brady before the game started. And then, you know, the Patriots oh. go on to win another Super Bowl. You know, the worst part is about that is if Frank Clark didn't go offsides, it doesn't even matter. But the problem yeah. is, oh, my God. The, that, that offsides. What? It was D Ford. Oh, D Ford. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. It was the guy who actually didn't win a title game. Um, it was crazy to me because I think that offsides put us in the darkest timeline. We had a bomb Super Bowl. <laughs> we had 2020. So D Ford, it's all your fault. <laughs> but um, no, Harambe is the started the darkest timeline. Yeah, true. Now I'll, I'll just say D Ford kind of could have saved us all and it turned around. Uh, uh, I also think the American voters could have saved us all and turned us around in 2016. Uh, that's just all right. So the one, the biggest thing though, Kev, you were on point though because Matthew looked lost. Like 20, like the Buccaneers. I, I will finish with this. We'll talk about the halftime show and anything else you guys want to talk about before we move on to baseball and uh, retirement. One of my favorite uh, football players of all time, actually. So the halftime show. Uh, so last thing I'll make, though, is tired. Like, can we talk about how, like, so many older guys and somebody like guys who have maybe been like rejects of past teams got a chip off this game? Sean McCoy got a second title without even playing a snap. I thought it was hysterical. Um, Leonard Fournette, Kev's favorite bust. Playoff Lenny is a thing now. I love that. That's a hashtag. That man, when my mother says to me, she looks over and she goes, which is the one you like, 28? I'm like, yeah. She goes, he runs so damn hard. And I'm like, because, mom, he's chasing some demons. He is, like, angry. Like, I mean, because, Kev, yes, to all intents and purposes, as of right now, Leonard Fernandez is a bust. But if he can turn his career around because of this playoff run, that's, like, going to be, like, one of those moments, like, all right, his career turned around because he got with a good organization that turned his life around. But the other thing was, at best, Leonard Fournette will just – at best, he could become the greatest running back of all time. I don't think so. I think the, his earlier career outside of 2017 made it so that's not possible just because he can't reach those numbers. Yeah. But he will always be a bad draft pick. Oh, no. He might like, have shaken the bust label with this playoff run, but he's still a very bad draft pick. 
And this also goes back to your point, and I will semi-agree with you on it. You should never, unless it's Adrian Dan Peterson, draft a running back in the top 10. I don't think you ever should. Once you get to 10 to 12 to 15, if it's your, your most glaring weakness, and this guy is like a Saquon and Zeke, Miles uh, Sanders, uh, Melvin Gordon early in his career, Todd Gurley before the knee injuries, like one of those like three down guys who could do everything, block, run, um, receive, then yes. Then maybe in the top, somewhere between 10 to, thir- 10 to 15, 10 to 20, it's acceptable. But generally, it's like, when it's a guy, I mean, Fernando will give him credit. His receiving improved mightily this season. Maybe it's because Brady's like, hey, you're going to have to learn how to catch the ball. And when it came to clutch moments, they gave the ball to Fernet over Ronald Jones, which I thought was a very interesting turn. So I shout out hats off to Fernet. AB, you crazy bag of marbles. You got your chip. Um, I loved the tweets. AB did everything wrong. It still won a Super Bowl. Yeah, literally. Oh, you know what the craziest thing is? Do you ever hear from Antonio Brown anymore? No. Do you ever hear anything about it? Because he's been living in Brady's guest house for the past like six months, and he knows he's a dead man if he does anything stupid again. Yeah, I mean, even in New England, he kind of calmed down a bit, but it was just the repercussions of stuff that he had yeah, done yeah. prior. I think Tom Brady. Is I, I've gained a lot of respect for Tom Brady for what he's done for some of these guys' careers. Because of like well, guys like A B, who honestly, A B was not a good dude. And like he's kind of really kind of just kept himself under the gun, relaxed, nobody's saying anything about him. He's just, you know, he's living in Tom's best house, like keeping quiet. And you know what? Gotta give a little hats off for Brady for a little mentorship and friendship right there. Yeah, now the concern is once AB's out on his own in the world, what's he gonna do? What what kind of shenanigans is he gonna get up to? He's gonna go live with his his cousin over in Baltimore and just get into all kinds of trouble. Um, another one, Gronky Gronk. That first touchdown, I got a little excited too. I was just like, look at that big man run. <laughs> I got so depressed when the lineman dropped that touchdown though. That made me so sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm always confused by it. So look, my thing, and I said this during the game. If you're good enough to play in the NFL, regardless of position, at one point in your life, that meant you were skilled enough at football that your coaches, it might have been peewee, asked you to play every position. Yeah. Like, hey, we need a quarterback this game. Hey, we need a wide receiver this game. We don't care how big you are. Like, you're athletic and you're no football. Even Vita Vea played running back in high school. Uh, yeah. So, so did, I um, kind of use him in fullback. But so did so uh, Jadavion Clowney, too. So I don't get how – and he wasn't wide open, but he wasn't really – The ball open. also got knocked out of his hand, though. It wasn't like he, like, just completely bobbled. He, he had dropped he, it first. He, he kind of – like, he, the grip wasn't great, and then he got hit. I was just so sad. Like, that was – like, the hit knocked it loose. Like, he had his hands, and it went like – No, it hit his helmet first. It went through his hands, hit his helmet. Then he got hit, so he couldn't recover. But it – I'm always – because it's, it's not just that. It's also guys who drop wide open touchdowns. Like receivers. You How every, are you, you that every, bad at football but playing in the NFL? You mean everybody on the Kansas City Chiefs? I swear to God, the Kansas City Chiefs went full Philadelphia Eagles this game. It was hysterical. The Eagle that was a, that was the meme all over uh, over Eagles Twitter this week this weekend was 
unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes was living living Carson Wentz's daily nightmare this this game. I was just like, oh, I hit too close to home, man. I don't know if I could say that out loud. Or the entire Dolphins wide receiver core. I mean, Jakeem Grant's wide open downfield right through his hands. How are you this bad at the game of football? Yeah, I know. It's... You know what the worst, craziest part of this game is, and we'll talk. We'll talk after that show and last thoughts about the Super Bowl. But this off is gonna be a f- nut house. That's why me and Kevin only t- me and Kevin Samir only taking three shows off. <laughs> We're back right to work in two weeks, man. When the comp, when the when the in into com- like the non in person combine kicks off, like this is gonna be crazy. Really? I, you know, I was talking about. I was telling Kev, I was doing some research. I was already doing draft research this weekend. And there's the, that running back, uh, I think it was Weinman or Wiseman. I can't remember the guy's name. But uh, the running back out of uh, uh, Memphis. He's the guy I was kind of just like, it's one of the, I'm looking for one of those guys just to blow up the combine this year. Like have like a DK Metcalf kind of like combine. Because the, the there's no like physical freaks coming out. I mean, yeah, you have, you, have, you have Smitty, you have Chase. We're expecting those guys to run good times. And if Smitty has put on some like muscle since the the championship, his draft stock's only going to go up. That's the only thing keeping Jamar Chase and Farmer right now is the fact that Smitty's like literally the slim reaper for a reason. Yeah, uh, some dude Matt Miller, who's a big draft analyst, I guess on Twitter, is a blue check mark for some reason. He's from Bleacher Report. Uh, said that Jamar Chase is faster and stronger than Smith. But that guy also said Derrick Henry would be a good fullback in the NFL. So he's an idiot. Yes. I would say he'd be a good fullback in like one of those trick plays where I kind of just – that I love to run in Madden Kev where I just fake the pitch and hand off the flam, but halfback. He'd be a good fullback, but this guy was saying he's only going to be a good fullback. He yeah. can't I mean, I mean, he might have been right about like maybe like Bo Scarborough playing fullback because Kevin already knows that meta. <laughs> yeah, like – but I don't know. I think that guy's an idiot. He was on uh he was on Cruz's show already. Yeah. I I, I mean listen, I gotta actually tonight is what uh Kev, tonight's wide receiver night. I watched Rashard Bateman already. I like him. I think I, I like know, him too. I've heard guys talk about and we'll do more we'll start doing I'll start like in the next time we start doing like position by position, like one night I'll do I'll break down what I've seen about receivers and corners. And when I come on Kev's show for his draft special, I'll talk, talk about my bus. I found a linebacker this weekend that I sent his highlight tape to Kevin. Oh, sweet Lord Jesus. This kid's a freak. <laughs> it's Samir. It's a kid out of Notre Dame. The dude is basically mm-hmm. a Madden player. It's not even fair. He's fat. And, and the whole shtick on him is he's not as athletic as Parsons, but his tape tells a different story. I wasn't so I lost Parsons. I watched his highlight tape out and I watched even some 22 film and I'm like, it's okay. I mean, I can see the appeal. I see the freak of nature athleticism, but unless he's playing downhill, he's not that good. If some drop a wide open interception. I was just like, what? I was just like, I'm like, like today's teams want linebackers like Devin White, especially this Super Bowl proved having a fast athletic middle linebacker is exponential to your defense, especially in this new age of the athletic tight end. Having a speedy middle linebacker is essential. Yeah, I think also, though, Michael, Michael Parsons opted out this year, didn't he? Mm-mm. He played for the first couple games, I think. I thought he opted out at some point this season. Samir, you want to get check on that quick? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but so... The kid in Notre Dame whose name I will – Jeremiah something Awosu. Freak. 
And just it's, it's so funny. His first three plays on his highlight tape, all 22 film. I watch both. I watch a highlight tape and I'll, there, there's a couple of YouTube channels. I'm not going to shout them out because if I do, somebody's going to, you know, somebody's going to like shut their channel down for using a uh, pirated footage. But, um, Owosu, this dude, well, his first two plays, Kevin, you saw it. He just lit dudes up, and it was even it was like legal hits, but they were like they would have been on that segment you got jacked up back in the day on Madden. I mean, on Madden, on like uh, NFL Countdown, like the Monday NFL Countdown, you got jacked up or whatever. Like yeah. these hits were ridiculous. They would have made Ray Lewis and Brian Dawkins and Ronnie Lot happy, and I was just like. Oh, I like this kid. I like him a lot because he can make hits in space. That's that's a true tackling expert when you can jack a dude up in space. When they're uh, looking, Michael Parsons did opt out. Okay. So yeah, he. Out. I was gonna say. Okay, so, so he opted think, out in August. Yeah. I think these guys opting out. I think it's gonna create more guys who, at the beginning of the season, they should be able to go. He was drafted too high. Okay. So, because there's not as much tape in them, you don't see their deficiencies as much. So I will say this then. Well, last thing about the draft, and then we'll just talk about it quickly. I want to talk about the halftime show, what you guys thought about. But um, so the receivers, Kev, because you know, what, either either or one of them might be one of these two receivers we talk about might be wearing Eagles green by the end of the by the end of a- April. I I I don't care either way. I love both of them. I love Smitty because I love his high ball ability. I love his breakaway speed, and I love his toughness. I love Jamar Chase's route running. I love his strength, and I love how he's so smooth. I can see both. I can see both of them working with Hertz. I can see both of them working with Wentz. So, do you think the lack of Jamar Chase opting out, which actually honestly might have been smart in his opinion? Because uh, yeah, LSU no, that was, was smart for him. Um, LSU was booty. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think I don't think you can really miss with either one. I understand the concern about Smitty's weight. I know you haven't expressed those concerns as much. I but mean, like I know the kids that time. He's taking hits, and he's I, I, not. He doesn't have paper skin and glass bones. It's, uh, the it's strength not might. Even, it's not even the hits, though, buddy. It's the press coverage. This is what we saw with Ruggs and with uh, Rieger this year. The lighter receivers were getting a little bumped in off the line of scrimmage a little bit. That's my only concern. Uh, I mean, there could be a concern, but also Smitty's so quick. Like, Ruggs has top line speed. He's not as quick as Smitty. I okay. Yeah, the, the release is different. I think I Smith's release is, is much greater than... Than you know, Rose, for sure. You know, Smitty's release reminds me, reminds me a lot of Justin Jefferson and with a little bit of um, Judy's. Mm-hmm. Because with Judy, Judy never has the same release twice. Uh, if you ever go go back and watch some of Judy's tape from this year, he never breaks off the line the same way. He always keeps it. That's a true pro. Justin Jefferson's the same damn move, and it's just it's nasty. But, like, Chad Johnson even said it. I don't know if you guys have seen this interview yet. When he was – I think it was – um, go look it up. It's when he was interviewing DK and uh, and J.J., and DK was like, and DK was, you know, being kind of humble, but JJ's talking smack to Ocho. I'm like, listen, Ocho is the godfather of the under, of the six foot one route runner with speed. If it wasn't for Ocho Cinco, JJ wouldn't be drafted as I, because Ocho Cinco was the godfather of that, that type. Him and, him and the guys before him, like Jerry Rice, where they were a little, they weren't like a freak size wise, but they were quick. They run elite routes. 
Like Ocho Cinco, if he played on a better, was drafted to a better team in Cincinnati, probably would have had like top ten numbers all the time, and wasn't a basket case, you know, domestic suit in Miami and everything else. But, um, but like Ocho was saying, like, bro, I could lock you up. Your move is so predictable. And I'm like, he's got a point. I want to see, I want to see if JJ can adjust. That's my biggest thing this year with Justin Jefferson. I want to see if he can like, on if he can like, because uh, like now teams are gonna tape on him this year. Corners are going to learn how to cover this kid. They're like, okay, he does this little okie doke move at the line of scrimmage before he goes deep. And it works. It's just, I don't I, like, I want to see like a vet corner, like a Ramsey, a Gilmore, a Slay, a, uh, even like somebody as old as P-Pat, or like even one of the newer younger ones, like Marlon Humphrey. I want to see what they do against him. But all right. Uh, last thing in the Super Bowl, halftime show. Did you like it? Hated it? Thoughts, comments, concerns? What do you got? I don't love the weekend's music. Um, I think it's as good as it could have been. Take it's that. not going to go down as the best Super Bowl halftime show ever. They're, people are not going to talk about it like they talk about Prince's or like they talk about the 2006 halftime show or the 2006 Super Bowl's. No, 2005 Super Bowl after the 2004 season. Uh, Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson. It, oh, that was 2003, 2004. 2003, 2004. Uh, it. That one was, I'm not saying that one was a great one, but it's memorable. No, people aren't going to remember this in five, ten years. You're like, oh, yeah, The weekend did the halftime show at Super Bowl 55. It had so much potential because The weekend is a big star right now, and his music is I, – I enjoy some of his music. I really do. I, uh, I don't hate it, but it's just not my thing. I thought it was fun. Um, the message behind it about the, the, how, like, about the ugliness of Hollywood, I, I like that part. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, I, I also thought that was an interesting way to incorporate the background dancers wearing masks. Well, I didn't notice it at first, but then like people post pictures like I was an halftime show and they have like an N95 mask worked into the bandaging. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty cool. And then I also, well, I mean, you, I don't know if you guys had noticed, but the weekend had done all the crazy stuff to his face. Yeah, it was all for publicity. That was leading up to the halftime show. And also the guy's a marketing genius because he released his album the day before the Super Bowl. Smart. I think the only smarter move would have been the day of the Super Bowl, but the day before it's going to get more views than like if he did it the day of the Super Bowl, they might have had some listens right before. But with the 24 yeah. hours that that'll give you so much more time. It might have been it might have been Friday. So it might have been 48, but still like he dropped on that. I remember Saturday morning going on 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 the on the uh, Apple Music Store and looking I'm like, oh, the weekend just dropped an album today. Holy crap. But uh. Yeah, I honestly liked it. I mean, Blinding Lights is definitely one of my favorite, like, pop songs I've heard in a while. Like, I really hope GTA pays for the rights to get it for GTA 6 because they're doing a Miami Vice and they might do some Cuba. And I don't even know because I love GTA so much. But I I love that song. It's got such a cool – it's got a cool 80s influence to it. And I'm not a big 80s guy, but that part of it I do like. And also hair bands, but we'll, we'll talk about that for another day. Um, A.K.A. the Motley Crue riffs at the end of the show every week. But I – I liked it. I mean, it was a great, it was a great halftime show. I liked it. I liked Timberlake's back in seven during uh, the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl. I thought that one was fun. Um, I Maroon Five was okay. I could not stand Lady Gaga's in seventeen. Uh, Katy Perry's in fourteen was kind of entertaining. Yeah, one wasn't bad. I, the NFL has an issue with its halftime shows though that they need to address. They need to take. I've talked about this before, not on the show, but I've talked to people about it. I think if they want to get their big stars to do the halftime show, that's fine. But they should try to find a way to incorporate 
the style of music from the city the Super Bowl is in that works with the stars. Like, let's say Maroon 5. You have Migos come out and do, like, some mashup song with them. I mean, look at what happened in the AMAs a couple years ago when, uh, uh, what's it called? Um... Imagine Dragons did a mix, uh, did a thing, uh, did a music, a song with, uh, was it Khalid? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, um, Young, Dumb and Broke and, and Thunder. Thunder. It's an incredible song. That matchup is better than the original and of either one. So I was like, oh, it's awesome. And then, you know, I think it was two years ago, Imagine Dragons did one with Lil Wayne and it was a great, it was a great show. I was very impressed, but I think it might've been last year, right? Imagine Dragons, this was the last time show. I can't remember. Last year? No, that was the that was uh that was the Grammys. I don't even know where it was. No, last year was Shakira and J Lo. Yeah, I feel like they've been at the Super Grammy. Bowl though. Yeah, yeah, no, they did something at the Super Bowl. I don't remember. Um, uh, I don't remember. But either way, um, the biggest thing, the coolest thing to me is like, yes, Kevin, you're right on the stage. So where's the Super Bowl next year? Las Vegas or L A? Um, that's four. I'm looking something up real quick. Shh. 56 is in Inglewood, California. Okay, if, if Snoop, Ice Cube, Game, you got so much musical talent out of Los Angeles. Inglewood, California is known for producing rappers. Yeah. Well, NFL you know can't sh- screw this up. You know what they should have done for Super Bowl 51? Have Travis Scott do it. Yeah, it was in Big name. <laughs> important to the city or yeah like seriously like he's one of the what, top five most popular rappers in houston right now yeah and i don't know if it, at the time of 51 i don't think he was as big yet he wasn't he was big, big. He, he, astro world really took him to a new level yeah astro world made him like a mainstream rapper but um I don't know. I, I just don't like the way the NFL picks their Super Bowl. Happening. Yeah, and you know what? They tried to, like, I remember how Jay-Z was going to be help, like, kind of work with the NFL at booking better guests. I mean, I could see his influence this year with getting the weekend because, I'm sorry, there's no, I don't think there's anybody famous from Tampa Bay who's in the music scene right now. Um, Kodak Black? Known, they're Kodak's from, like, the Art? east coast of Florida. He's from Orlando, I think. I don't know. There probably are people from Tampa Bay who are famous in music right now, but they're not, like, known for being from Yeah, yeah, So, I mean, The Weeknd wasn't the worst pick. I would have been cool to see him bring somebody out. Like, maybe have him bring Kendrick Lamar out because of the whole Black Panther album they did together. Yeah, musicians from Tampa Bay. Or from Tampa, technically, because that's the city. Um, yeah, there's no... Aaron Carter. Nick Carter. There we go! Gavin Ice family reunion that because they hate each other. Yeah, Tampa. Why? 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 I I'm on the Wikipedia page. Musicians from Tampa, Florida. Hulk Hogan. Yes. There we go. Why? The Hulkster. Let's go. Yeah, there aren't really many Tampa okay, might, musicians. Might, so like, yeah. when you can do that. Like, don't have Maroon 5 do the Super Bowl in Atlanta. Yeah, that, that save one. Them. Was that was so ridiculous. Save them for a <laughs> scene like Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, honestly, the weekend was a good pick, though. I mean, that was yeah. definitely. Because, you know, they, they've been calling for, you know, um, black artists for a while to do the Super Bowl, and it was nice. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought that was great. The weekend show was great. 
It kept me, it was entertained. I watched the whole thing. I mean, I was I watched J Lo and um, you know, J Lo and um, Shakira last year, but that was for obvious you know reasons. But um, because you are pro Latina, strong Latina musicians. Damn straight. Um, speaking of rep- representation in the halftime show, did you guys see on Twitter uh, what some people were saying? No. Uh, Tom Brady should not have won the Super Bowl during <laughs> Black History Month. Oh my God, I saw that. I was trying to avoid uh, talking about yeah, that today. Saw, uh, <laughs> that like, is ridiculous. I'm like, come on, man. I just like, listen. I am all. I am all for the equal opportunity misery of every person regardless of race, religion, creed, sexuality, whatever. I think we all should be just as miserable as the guy next to us. But or the girl or non-binary human or whatever, whatever. you identify as. Yeah. You might want to identify as an ab roller, you do so. But here's the thing, it's like guys, it's called football. And the problem is the team with the the African American quarterback is offensive line couldn't block. It's not Brady's fault. I think whoever first tweeted that had to have done it as a joke. Oh, probably. And then but other then, people saw it, though, and were like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. It's like, and then, like, one person complained about it being in the middle of a pandemic, and I'm just like, it's oh, Florida. They don't care to begin. Because from the aerial shots, it looked like a packed stadium. It was like cardboard cutout, cardboard cutout, cardboard cutout, two people sitting together. Cardboard cutout, cardboard cutout. They cardboard actually, cutout. that was the, definitely the, that was the second most packed a game was this year? I think yeah, they, they had a lot of fans, but they had them separated. And they also had, like, I think, like, what was it, 40% of them were vaccinated because they were all those, like, healthcare workers that got, they went there for free? Yeah. I mean, that yeah, was the best the them NFL could have done. Honestly, I was, yeah. I, the NFL, honestly, this year did a good job of the Super Bowl. They did. I mean, was the, was the, the game great? No, but the halftime show was fun. Um, Everything with COVID, they handled it pretty well. Um, I had no, honestly, the streaker winning his, winning money on himself yeah. was great. It, I, I just it, like, it felt like a Super Bowl. It felt like a like, Super Bowl, and you know what? After an NFL season was such a freaking cluster F, this was not bad. I honestly was okay with it. And the fact that the 2020 season that was so ridiculous and to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers winning a Super Bowl at home, I think that's a good way to put a cap on the NFL season this year. I got no complaints about it. The only thing would have been more ridiculous if the Browns or Bills won. Yeah. Anything else in the NFL season before we move on to our vacation time, boys? No. Alrighty. All right, quick news. Um, one of my favorite players of all time, as Kev has known this for a while, LaShawn McCoy has announced his retirement from the NFL. My boy Shady, his jersey's still hanging upstairs in my main room, and it will hang there for a week in honor of one of my favorite players of all time. There was a point where Shady was going to overtake Brian Dawkins, my favorite eagle, and then Chip Kelly, you know, did some shady crap. So we're not going to talk about that. Um, but, yeah, no, Shady's numbers over uh, two, uh, 1,200 yards. Uh, I think he hit, hit over 1,200 yards rushing. I have the, I have a say here, actually. He did not hit over 1,200 yards rushing. 1,500 scrimmage yards, sorry. On, on the nose. Yeah, exactly 1,500, which I, I just love that. Yeah, uh, six-time Pro Bowl or two-time All-Pro, All-Decade 2010 team. Obviously, the man was a freak for Philadelphia and Buff- his first couple of years in Buffalo. Um, Philly's was like, what, 11, 11, 11K? Over 11K yards? 11,102. That's things you can get to 12K. But, I mean, the dude, the dude, honestly, I feel like the last two years was kind of just, like, there for moral support of the other running backs. Yeah, he did 
he was reasonably during the last season with Kansas City, he did rush for about 500 yards, four times. He was effective. He did stuff in the regular season, then they didn't really play. They did not play him in the playoffs. Well, that's because Davey Williams got hot, and they kind of went with the hot hand. Yeah, game. and then this year he had ten carries for thirty-one yards in Tampa. Yeah, and, I mean Ronald Jones had a breakout year, and then Leonard Fournette started coming on towards the end of the year, and you saw playoff Lenny. Um, honestly, with McCoy, uh, arguably one of my favorite Eagles of all time. My favorite moment was him completely reserve, reversing field against the Jets in two thousand eleven and housing it for seventy yards. Arguably my favorite runs I've ever watched. Um, I don't think I've ever been more. One of the most heartbreaking moments as a fan was here seeing him get traded for Kiko fucking Alonso. Kiko Alonso earned back my respect in other ways, but we'll talk about that off camera. That was um, so stupid. Oh, like, no, the trade was awful, but he yeah. did something his last couple of years in Miami, which made me laugh my ass off. Um, so, yeah, no, Shady, honestly, I would put Shady top 15 best running backs of all time. Yeah, he's going to be 15 if he's in this list. Yeah, I think you could make an argument. I think people will make an argument that he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's going to be in the Hall of Very Good for a long-ass time. I think he's a third ballot Hall of Famer. He's not going to get in right away. It's going to be like John Lynch where it's a couple years down the road and he gets in. I know you have, you're have tight about the Richard Seymour thing, buddy. I see your pain because I think Seymour should not be in the Hall of Fame before Richard Seymour. I know. At worst, it should be at the same time. I don't know how Seymour didn't get in, though. I, I, I don't either. That's the other thing we have to bring up today is the end of Hall of Fame class. Um, Tom Flores finally got in all those cores like commercials work, boys. It was a horrible class because Richard Seymour didn't get in. Oh, uh, it still had one of the greatest greatest receivers of all time. Made it in Calvin Johnson. One of the best defensive yeah, backs Manning. of all time in uh, Charles Woodson. And one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Peyton Manning. Uh... I'm joking. My only issue is John Lynch. Uh, yeah, I know. I love how Drew Pearson got in this year. After last year, he was such a crybaby about Harold Carmichael getting in ahead of him. I hate Drew Pearson so much, so it's okay. If I had a vote, I would not vote for him just for that reason. Oh, no. He was – you know what the worst part was is like – and I actually have one more. I have a last call. It's a funny last call, actually, because I, I, I got a little scoop from A2D Radio about something that Jerry's kid – Jerry's grandson, nephew did today. Um, or grandson, but, um, basically Drew Pearson last year, Samarano, he, uh, played for the Cowboys, one of their, uh, like on the Tom Landry teams, like when they were just dominant in the seventies, uh, just screw, like was complaining and moaning and getting all pissed off that Harold Carmichael, who was the first like six foot seven wide receiver who, you know, had like ridiculous numbers on some really bad Eagles teams got in the Hall of Fame before he did. And Drew Pearson was making a whole stink about it. And I, I and Pearson's also the guy who was in Philadelphia the year before the Super Bowl and was talking so much smack to Philadelphia Eagles fans. And then David Akers came off like a whiny little kicker and still kicked his butt with that trash talk. But, um, yeah, yeah I, no. Like, I think Drew Pearson should be in the Hall of Fame, probably. Oh, yeah, obviously. But, like, I would have made away next year just for being a little brat about it. But, like, Harold Carmichael, four Pro Bowls, three second-team All-Pro, NFL receiving yards leader, and receptions leader in 73. NFL Man of the Year in 80. I don't know how that should factor in the Hall of Fame, but it's an award, so it should. Yeah. Uh, 1970s All-Decade Team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Pearson, one-time Super Bowl champion just because he was on a really good team. 
three-time Pro Bowl, three-time first-team All-Pro, all-decade team, and then receiving yards leader. Yeah, it's not even close. Uh, should? It's close, but yes, Carmichael should have gotten in the year ahead of him. Uh, three first-team All-Pros versus three second-team All-Pros and one more Pro Bowl. It's like the difference between, like, Julio Jones and, like, Larry Fitzgerald. It's like I think Pearson had an argument to be made. However, don't make the argument. Yeah. Just come across bad. I just it, it, like the way it came off with Pearson just like bitching and moaning and like him being really pissed about it and like there is it like not even getting mad that he was getting he was on recording doing it. That's what annoyed me. Like, it's like you should be happy for one of your competitors. Like you guys were both like icons of the re- for receivers in the seventies. Like Carmichael was one of the first big bodied receivers and he was nasty. Yeah, I mean like if you if someone's asked you a question in the interview like I think I should have gotten in but I'm happy for him for getting in. He did a lot for the game. game it doesn't matter if behind closed doors you're like, fuck that guy. I'm better than him. He's trash. I should be. Don't verbalize those thoughts to the public. I know. That's why I just I, I have no respect for Drew Pearson, honestly. But it's whatever. Um, yeah. Um, oh, well. But uh, yeah. So we got, I got other Cowboys news after this. But um, MLB rules. Samir, you want to take head on the lead on this one because um, you, my friends, don't look happy. I saw them before while I was at the deli. I didn't look happy. The one rule I wanted them to keep, they didn't. And the two rules that they kept, I didn't like. I mean, I, I was okay with, but the one rule I actually wanted them to keep, I hated. All right, I'm going to get on my soapbox here. Oh, preach, intern, preach. All right, so I think the MLB is making a massive misstep, and Rob Manfred should be fired as the commissioner of the NFL or the MLB because the game itself, baseball, used to be America's pastime, one of the most beautiful games ever made, if you ask me, or if you ask plenty of other Americans. The ratings of the MLB have been tanking, not because of the game, but because they're unable to create stars, to create personality, uh, to create teams and 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 a brand for everybody to latch onto, they can't do it because they're still stuck in their old ways about you can't do bad flips. You can't, you can't even look like you're having fun. If you look like you're having fun, people are going to judge you for it. They're going to say you're taunting. They're going to say you're doing this. And then instead of being like, no, just let them be people. They're like, Oh no, we think the game is too slow. So we're going to put second baseman to start out extra innings. Are you kidding me? What is that? I, I, I mean, guys on second base. Yeah. Did did you did you see that rule? Yeah, I saw. I'm looking at it right now. I I looked at all this stuff. Um, I just all right. First off, I'm already pissed off the MLB because they let the Trevor Bauer trade happen. I'm usually not in favor of leagues doing the little David Stern, Chris Paul thing, but the team that just won the damn World Series shouldn't get the Cy Young winner. I'm sorry. Like there's there are certain times where the NF I, I want the MLB just to insult and song salary cap because being a fan of a mid market team, I just feel like we're effed right now between San Diego and Los Angeles. But whatever. That's a, that's another story for another day for me to complain when Steve Peralt comes on. Um 
I will say the Universal DH added so much fun to the game. You had less pitcher injuries this year. You had guys just – it just seemed like the game flowed better. Guys were hitting better. More guys who weren't usually getting an opportunity to hit every day were getting an opportunity. And guys were putting up better numbers because of it. The second baseman rule I hate because it doesn't – it's not going to matter when the guy blows three – strikes three guys out, blows three fastballs, blows three, blows three curves, blows three sliders, and there you go. Game's – and he's over. I just – and the seven-inning doubleheaders, I could see because doubleheaders are brutal. MLB players have always said they're annoying as hell, and they rarely happen anymore, but I, it's it makes sense why they're doing it. The three or four times a year they have to do it, especially because of COVID, so it's going to be more prevalent, especially at least for the hopefully only the first half of the season. But I just – it's it's irritating. I, I just – the one thing I wanted them to keep, they didn't. And that's what just in the MLB had a shot at making like because Dennis guys chicks take the long ball, scoring runs creates fans. It's not rocket science, and this kind of just screwed it over a little bit. I think yeah, teams the option. Like if you want to have a DHS game, go for it. But like cross league, not just the NL. Like let's say the Angels want Otani to pitch. Okay, you can hit too. I love that, actually. And they should do it for both leagues. Like, the DA should yeah. be optional. Yeah, like, the Angels are in the American League, so it would have to be both. Or, like, but, when, or with the Astros with, like, Zach Ranke or something like that. Where, like, they have a guy who can actually rake. The Astros are also an American League team. No, I'm saying, uh, yes. I'm, I'm. But I, I would want to see, it would have to be interesting to see if they would then say it's for the whole game. Like, if you have an ambidextrous pitcher, if he picks righty, he has to pitch righty the whole inning, at least. I would be curious if, like, let's say they take Otani out and they're putting in a relief guy. Does that relief guy then have to hit, or can you put in a DH at that point? I would vote no. Or you can make Otani the DH. That's true. Just say it's switching. Well, That's no, interesting. Because then you, your pitcher wouldn't be hitting. And if you decide your pitcher's going to hit at the beginning of the game, I think it's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's, it's, it is up to you. I mean, that, I think that option, the option is honestly pretty brilliant, Kev. But, uh I don't know. It's, it's baseball. Put me in charge of your rules. There you go. I just baseball like the out- doesn't want the long ball. They're deadening baseballs. Just so stupid. Yeah, I, I don't I, disagree with it. Just major neutral. I mean, the problem is like, like, so like, one of my favorite things about baseball is my favorite thing about baseball is a home run. Honestly, the home runs are so much fun. It's it's just you see a ball absolutely get blasted. There's a freaking home run derby. It's what people love. Baseball's most popular era was the home run chase era. It just my, my reasoning for being okay with them deadening the balls is because they've juiced them the last three years. But it was so yeah. fun when they juiced them. Yeah, yeah it was also fun you, when they had players juiced, and they didn't let them do that anymore. So uh, at least, at least yeah, juiced, at least. <laughs> Yeah, but they profited off it, which was totally fine by them. But the second these guys want to get in the Hall of Fame, nope, you you pro- helped us profit, but you're going to get hosed now because you took the roids. I don't think the MLB cares that much. It's the Baseball Writers of America. Who oh, are- my God. They need to go sink into, into the ocean. I hate all I of them. I can't wait. Because all Pedro, like 85. I can't wait until like 10 years where they go, oh, shit, we have to let younger people vote now, and these guys get in. Yeah, except for Pedro but, Gomez, RIP to the one of the better baseball writers of all time. But also, I think uh, the most impressive run of seasons was Pedro Martinez 
in like the late 90s, early 2000s, when he was gassing guys who are all roided up, and he didn't. No, that's why, like, I have so much respect for Pedro and Johnson and these guys and Maddox. These guys weren't on roids and just were just get and just can't guys left and right. Like, the fact is, everyone's like, what if Johnson's on roids? I'm like, have you ever looked at Randy Johnson? He looks like the slender man on the pitcher's mound. It's just like he's just blowing fastballs and sliders by dudes. You have Pedro, who's five foot eleven, gunning it by dudes and dropping that nasty circle change of his. And it's just it, it, it wasn't fair. That's why they were first ballot Hall of Famers. Both of them got, with, I think, above 95% of the vote each. So. I do want to say, though, by the way, just because a guy's thin doesn't mean he's not on steroids. Uh, Andy Pettit, he got a little bigger, but he didn't get massive. But, like, Randy Johnson was one of those guys, like, really, you couldn't really say. It's just yeah. also not. Say yeah, I know, I know. It's the same thing with, like, Chris Sale, where everyone makes a joke. Hey, Sale should get a sandwich, and he blows a 99er by you, and you're just like, oh. All right, um, Kevin, anything weird before I do a really fast last call? Uh, yes, I do, actually. We're going to talk about the first ever Gronkowski athletic freak. Okay. Ignatius Gronkowski. He was an American cyclist <laughs> at the 1924 Summer Olympics in Paris. He held the records for the half three-quarter mile and a half, and two-mile distances. Wow. He is the great-grandfather of the Gronkowski clan. That's awesome. I love how they're referred to as a clan, which is even better. That's just what I referred to them as. I know, Um, but they are, like, just, like, they're all... There's also another fun Gronk fact I want to share. Okay. Growing up, Gory Gronkowski, the father, believes his boys at their peak consume 20 gallons of milk a week. Sweet Jesus. That's brutal. It was just insane. You also described working, like living that way, hell. All right. Y'all ready for a little Motley Crew last call? Let's kick out the guitar riff. Here we go. We haven't done last call in a while, but I found a fun one this week, boys and girls. Let's let the anarchy begin. All right. Everyone knows that the Eagles are the center of the universe for football, even though it's fucking Super Bowl week because of the quarterback controversy and all the Wentz trade rumors and everything else, which is seemingly quieted. Fingers crossed. Um, But there's some fun Dallas Cowboy news. All righty. So Jerry Jones' nephew voted on a thing that said, let Dak go on an IG post. And then 20 minutes later, Dak Prescott followed the Washington football team on Instagram. So, I am not saying that this created a quarterback controversy, but I am saying it definitely didn't help the fact since the whole Dak thing's been kind of looming in the background for, what, maybe four or five months now. But, like, Dak getting injured kind of quieted a little bit, although they'll take care of Dak. But now I'm kind of wondering, did this just kind of spark up all the bullshit all over again? With Dak getting paid by the Cowboys or not, we're about to hear another offseason of will they, won't they pay Dak. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I wish Dak all the best. I, I would love for him not to be a Cowboy because he's such a great person, and I feel horrible he busts his ankle. But I can never root for the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. It's against my religion and my common sense as a, as an Eagles fan. But I just like, I can't, it just this, this is funny. It's just too funny. I, I love this. I love the fact that 
literally out of nowhere the Dallas Cowboys make it easier to be an Eagles fan this morning. God bless you, Dallas. <laughs> Do you have any any comments on the whole on on a, a return of the Dak issues? Uh, yeah, Jerry Jones needs to hire a GM and stop doing it himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> somehow, as a Giants fan, I feel secure with my quarterback, which is uh, very interesting. Out of all the other teams in the division, I at least know who the starter will be next year. That, that is that, that's fair. a fair point. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, you feel secure? Oh, and you feel secure is going to start. You don't feel secure about your future. Oh, my God. Oh, Giants fans. I feel secure that will be, he'll be around. <laughs> Mediocrity, here we come. Danny, 79 hey. Jones. Eli Manning won four oh, Super Bowls man. off of mediocrity. In those games, yeah, exactly. phenomenal, but the rest of his career, my God. Captain Mediocrity, Eli Manning. Um, I just, I love how the season four, I think the beginning of season four, we started talking about literally Dak Prescott. It was one of the lead stories. And I love how our finale finishes with us talking about Dak Prescott. Oh my God, that's great. All right. So, it has been a crazy season. Season five will kick off in a week and a half. We will probably, it's Tuesday, the 14 days from now, that's the 20. Oh, God, my math. 23rd. February 23rd, of course. That Tuesday, we'll do another recording. This show will be, of course, released Monday the 10th and Wednesday the 10th. But, um, yeah, we're, we were doing live streams because, you know, they're fun. And thank you all for who check in and watch our live streams. They're, they're always fun to hear from you guys. Remember, Ask KB will always be released every week anyway. So please comment and tell our intern any questions you have for us. Uh, I will start doing draft research as well, so that also could be something you guys could ask me as well. Uh, Kev, anything cool for Tailgate on the Quad this week? Uh, no, Joel McHale's publicist did not get back to me. Bastard. I am um, sad. <laughs> sad boy hours. Tell uh, I, I was going to make a community joke, but I feel like I go over everyone's head. All right. Just tell him it's, Pier- just tell him it's Pierce Hawthorne. I think that would get an immediate hang-up uh, from reports. That show did not like Chevy Chase. Oh, I guarantee they didn't. Um, all right. Or, or you could just make it say it's Troy and Abbott in the morning. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Guys, thank you so much for sticking with us for another see- damn four seasons already, Kevin. I'm getting seasoned. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thank you to our guests uh, for this year, uh, for this whole season cruise I think we had um, Steve Peralt on as well for season four. He might be the end of season three. Uh, Joey Livin for filling in for a couple shows for Kevin. Patrick, our newest addition to the family. Shannon Walsh, our director of marketing and, and, you know, for coming on as well, even though she had her first episode was lost. And, of course, last but not least, the newest little runt of the litter, our intern, Samir, man. Thank you so much for getting it started for this jumping right. This kid, I will give him credit, jumped right in right before the playoffs and did not disappoint. So, round of applause for Samir. Just absolutely slaying it right before. Like, this thank, game, you, like thank you. If you could have asked me what was the worst part to jump into for this show, Kevin did the second worst. Kevin jumped in right before the NFL season two years ago and hit the ground sprinting. Also, because, you know, Mark basically had, like, all but left, so Kev was filling in for him every week anyway. Um, so, Kevin got, Kevin got at least, like, a walking start. Samir basically just jumps in. I'm like, hey, you want to come on the show? He goes, yeah, I'll come on. 
I'll kind of just give a little comments here and there. He's become part of the show. And we love having him on here. So, gents and ladies and whatever you people is, want to be identified as, thank you, you so much. guest. Who? My future wife. Oh, yes. And the, the, the lovely Miss Across the Pond for coming on last week. I, I promise Kevin's a good guy. He meant nothing but well when he proposed to you last week on air. If you guys want to go back and check that episode out, it is on last week. The unedited version will come out sometime during the off season, during a slow week. Maybe like while well, me and Kev are both on our vacations. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for tuning in for season four of the Corner Booth. I am your amazing fearless host, Jerry Klim. My, our intern, Samir, our marketing wizard, Mr. Pat Donahue. And yes, he does have a wizard hat in his contact on my phone. And host of tailgate in the quad and coming back for one more season possible live stream collaboration check that out that might be fun um mr kevin guys thank you so much for both of you for sticking out with us pat and the rest of the group thank you so much as well we will see you in two weeks Hey guys, Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly of Podcast Network.